All right, I'm glad we are able to meet and fellowship in the Word of God this evening. So let's just start off with a word of prayer. Uh, Father, we thank you for tonight as we come before your Holy Word. We pray that your Word will minister to your people. Uh, we pray that understanding will come. We pray that may we be doers of what we will hear tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. So November is normally seen in our calendars as the season of Thanksgiving. And why? Because the actual Thanksgiving celebration is just around the corner. I mean, eight days from now, we'll all be celebrating Thanksgiving. And if you live in this part of our world, uh, U.S. specifically, Thanksgiving is such a big deal. And Thanksgiving is made up of two words. It's thanks and then giving. So Thanksgiving to me is the season of gratitude and generosity. It is even this reason why corporate America believes in sales and quote-unquote Black Friday. Why? Because they believe that it's, it's it, the spirit of Thanksgiving has to do with generosity and they feel like one of the best ways to give back to societies and communities is to reduce prices. All right, so uh, that's Thanksgiving. So in this season, please decide to be generous and and grateful. And how do you become grateful? It first of all starts with having a grateful and heart towards God. Uh, that's the, the the best way to develop an attitude of gratitude, and then it will extend towards our fellow man. But aside that, let's also be generous. Amen. Uh, to me, that is embracing the spirit of thanksgiving. It, it shouldn't just end at feasting. Because thanksgiving is marked by feasting. We eat a lot, drink a lot. We have friends and family over, which is all good. I shouldn't just end there, just with the festivities. We should also have a change in our attitude. We, we should have an attitude of gratitude. And it shouldn't just stop at thanksgiving. It should be beyond Thanksgiving, and then we should also have an attitude of generosity. That is what it truly means to embrace the spirit of Thanksgiving. So it brings me to today's topic, which is a quote from Paul uh, to the Philippian church. Fruits that abounds to your account. So I believe most of you have seen the flyers. Fruits that abounds to your account. So open with me to Philippians chapter 4, verse 14 to 17. Philippians chapter 4, verse 14 to 17. Sorry, I'm making so much noise. Philippians chapter 4, verse 14 to 17. And I read, Nevertheless, you have done well, that you shared in my distress. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gifts, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. So it's from Paul's statement that's the theme for our study 
is tonight through that amounts to your account. So our last and most recent series was just on this book, right? So we dealt with this chapter and Paul is commending the Philippian church for sharing in his distress by sending him aid. Aid here is financial assistance. That's what they really sent him. They sent him aid. Uh, when you are in a position like Paul and the situation in which he was in, he was needy, he was impoverished, and, and, and the Philippians saw it wise to administer aid, which was a blessing. He then remarks something that is very important, and which is going to be the bane of our study tonight. Um, he said he didn't need the gifts. And, you know, like I, I always said, a casual reading of this, you might think that Paul was saying this out of pride. He wasn't saying this out of pride. He was saying this out of contentment. He said, I know how to abase, I know how to abound. I know how to live in pleasure, and I know how to suffer in hunger. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And what are the all things here? The all things here are, I know how to live through seasons. I know how to live through seasons of plentiful, and I know how to, to live through seasons of poverty. I can do all things through Christ's strength. So I don't really need the gifts. So, so Paul is not saying this out of uh, pride. He's saying this more out of contentment. But then he's, he, he, he flipped the ball to them. And he says that, I rather want fruit to abound to your account. So let's try and understand the topic for tonight. Fruits that abounds to our accounts. So let's just do a breakdown of Paul's statements through that bouncing account. Fruits in the Greek text has six meanings. All right. So I just want us to look at that. Fruits in the Greek has six meanings. Number one, it means of trees, vines, and the fields. So whenever we mention fruits, I think that's the basic common definition we all know. The product of trees or of vines and the fields. That's what we call fruits. The second definition of the word fruit is of one's loins. So that's children. There is a popular term called fruit of the womb. I don't know if it's just a Christian thing because I don't know outside Christian, if you say fruit of the womb, I don't know if someone is not a Christian, whether he will understand that. So I don't know. Is that really a Christian term? Is it only something that is coined within the church or it's something that everybody understands? So when we say fruit of the womb, we are talking about children. So the next definition of the word fruit has to do with children. Thirdly, the word fruit also has to mean works or acts. Sometimes, sometimes someone does something, fruits. It can figuratively mean someone's works or someone's acts. The next definition of the word fruit has to do with profit. Profit. And profit normally, when you zero it down to finances, it has more to do with gains or dividends. The fifth definition of the word fruit has to do with praises to God as a thanks offering. And when you read Hebrews chapter 13, I believe verse 15, 
the Bible says that let us continually offer to God by the sacrifice of praise the fruit of our lips. You know, let me just read it. Hebrews chapter 13. Verse 15. Therefore by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, given thanks to his name. So when we say the word fruits, it also means thanks, thanksgiving. So when we thank God, it's also fruit. Amen. The fruit of our lips. And then the last thing for the word fruit are souls. All right. So let me go through it. Six things of trees, vines, and the field. When we talk of fruits, Number two, of the loins that has to do with children or progeny. Number three, wax or axe that also speaks of fruits. Number four, profits. If I zero it down to fine in the world of finances, I'm talking about gains, dividends, and stuff like that. Number five, praises to God as a thanks offering. And I just read the scripture, Hebrews 13, verse 15, and number six, souls. So that is the definition of the word fruit. Now, Paul uses the word abounds. What's the meaning of the word abound? Abound just means to increase. And then what's the meaning of the word account? Account means advantage. That's why sometimes you really need to take your time to really study the Bible. Because for, for me, if when I read the word accounts, I'm thinking of bank accounts, honestly. But when you look at the definition of this word accounts, it's nowhere near bank accounts. I understand a bit. So sometimes I hear people say that we have a heavenly account and they open this scripture. Well, I want, I'm still reading the Bible. I don't profess to be an authority in the Bible. I'm still learning the Bible. I'm still reading the Bible. I'm still a student of the Bible. So maybe I might come across it. So I wouldn't want to refute it outrightly and say there is no account based on the scripture. Who knows? Anyway, but the word account here means advantage. So now that we have unpacked the meaning of Paul's statement to the Philippians, let's now reword it with the definitions in mind. So it will read like this. Paul will say, not that I seek the gifts. Not that I seek the money. I'm not saying this out of pride. I'm saying this out of contentment. Not that I seek it. Thank you for ministering to me. I do receive it. But not that I seek a gift. But I seek the profits that will increase to your advantage. Is that very clear? So with the definitions, when we look at the word fruits, the word fruit the, of the six definitions, the definition that fits into this scripture in the context of this scripture is the fourth definition I read to you, prophets. 
Now, the word abound here has been replaced with its definition of increase. And the word account that we read earlier on has been replaced with the word advantage. So now, let me read it again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the profits that will increase to your advantage. So Paul is saying that, Philippian church, God bless you. Thank you for ministering to me. You've ministered and shared in my distress, but look at the bigger picture. Look at the bigger picture. Because as far as you have shared in my distress by ministering to me, thank you. But let me also say this. I don't really need the gifts because I'm content. I know how to live in two extremes. But I want to seek your profits that will increase to your advantage. That's powerful. You know, this could have even read, I will want to seek profits to your advantage. That would have been good enough because profit talks about increase. Profit talks about a financial gain. Prophet talks about a dividend. But it says, I seek profit that will increase. Increase on top of increase. Increase on top of increase. I seek increase on top of your increase to your advantage. So there is power and there is a blessing when we become generous. Amen. Now, mind you, there are many fields we can also into or give into, right? Money is a form of investment. So, so we can give or we can sow into. And, our, and for the brevity of our time and, and for the purpose of our study, I just want to narrow it down just to seven things that we all give to or we sow into with our money yourself that's what they will say pay yourself what does it mean to pay yourself it means to save your money so that will tell you when you get your pay pay yourself pay yourself means save put money into your savings account that's what it means to pay yourself so you you could pay yourself it's dividends i mean well i don't even want to it's 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 dividends. Let me just leave it at that. It's, it's dividends. Number two, your family. When God blesses you, and when you come to a point of sufficiency, I believe we we all have that obligation, which is godly, to support our family, especially our parents when they come to a place where they can't exert too much physical labor. Or even if they can exert physical labor, don't let them exert physical labor. Just be a blessing. It's godly. It's a godly obligation. I believe that's one of the, the things, the, one of the fields we can give to or sow into with our money. The third thing is the kingdom of God. Now, I'm using the kingdom of God because I'm using a very broad king's brush here. I'm, I'm talking about church, Maybe given to a man of God, 
uh, given to support her projects, anything that has to do with anything Christian, the kingdom of God, right? So that's also where you can also sow into or give into. Number four, financial markets. Carry the money to buy stocks, bonds, uh, invest into different um, financial portfolio and all that stuff. So financial markets, that's also there. Number five, rich people. You can give to rich people. Amen. I don't know what's really happening to my 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 computer today, but we are back. Amen. We are back. Uh, you can also give to rich people. Okay. And and why will you give to rich people? Because it's an investment. When when a rich person says that I am the I am the face of this product or a celebrity or something like that, you will want to give into that. You want to give into that. Some of the products that people have invested into, it's not because they really like the product, but it's because of the face of the product. That's it. That's why when celebrities market or endorse your products, it's very powerful. Because people might not really do it for the product, but they might do it just for the face of the product. That's given to a rich person. All right. Number six, our friends. And number seven, your hobbies. You can invest and give into your hobbies. All these aforementioned fields can bring some dividends or returns in the natural. In the natural, they do. I mean, when you give to your family, it's you, you feel blessed. You are blessed, you know, you feel satisfied. They might not always repay you back, but at least it comes with a certain satisfaction. Uh, financial markets, it, it, it yields great dividends in the natural. You know, like if, if you give to a rich person, somebody who has, you know, you will definitely have your money back. Or even if you are to invest in his products, you know, you will get some sort of dividends, your friends. Sometimes it's a blessing to give to them because you build goodwill. You build goodwill. It's there. But all, like I said, all these aforementioned fields, paying yourself, it's a blessing because at the end of the day, you will have money stored and in case you, you need emergency funds, you can, you can dip your hands into that. So all the seven fields I've talked about they have some sort of blessing. Even the kingdom of God. I know I know some people, it's very hard to get them off their church. Do you know why? Because they will tell you, my grandfather gave in 1979, and this is his chair with his plaque on it. I'm not going to leave this church. Why do I want to leave the church? Now he is dead. I am, I am sitting in his seat. You know, there, there are some churches that really reward givers like that. Like, oh, the one who gives will put your name on the chair or will put your name among the foundational stones of the building and all that sort of stuff. So, so even, um, naturally speaking, they are certain dividends, right? But today we want to focus on one of the fields that is not really attractive to give to or invest into. They are poor and needy people. What natural returns do you get when you give to a poor and a needy person? What do you get? Look at Paul. Paul says that no church, I mean none, 
communicated with Paul. And communicated means they didn't minister to him in terms of giving and receiving. None. And Paul, during this time, it was said that he had been in the faith for 25 years. Excuse me. And in 25 years, Paul had done a lot. Written epistles, planted churches, raised up sons, raised up protégés. He's literally an apostle, real apostle. But he said that when he was imprisoned, no church, not the church of Ephesians, not the church of the Corinthians, not the Thessalonica, the church in Thessalonica, no church, no church minister to him. Because it's not attractive ministering to a needy person or a poor person. Because you have the feeling that they are just there to just suck resources. They are resource suckers. When you give to them, what do you really get in the natural? You don't really get anything. And let's face it, naturally speaking, we all like to put our monies into things that will give us some sort of a dividend or a return. That's why you give in the first place. You know, nobody will just like to give money or throw money about. But poor at this point in his ministry was a poor man. He was needy. And Paul says that no church, none, single, nobody ministered to him. Nobody shared in his distress except the church of the Philippians. Or in other words, they also call the Macedonian church. And let me tell you something. Poor people abound in our midst. They abound in our midst. So yeah, you might be a faithful um, um, giver to the church. God bless you. It's, it's admirable. You, you might be giving money to your parents or you support your family. It's good. God bless you. Uh, you might pay yourself. So you might have substantial amounts of money in your savings account. It's good. God bless you. You might also feed your hobbies. And hey, it's good to feed your hobbies. I mean, if you work, can't you indulge in your hobbies? It's not a sin. God bless. You should enjoy. You, you can do all that. But today, try and understand that in the midst of 8 billion people, there are poor people that abound some answers. And 8 billion people, poor people are more than rich people. Especially in this time that we live in. And what we have gone through over the past two years. It's been an interesting past two years. Poverty has deepened. People are poor. There are people who do not, who do not even know how to afford three square meals. And they live in the United States of America. Don't look far. It's hard. Poor people exist. And in our small little way, can we be Christian enough or godly to give? The Philippian church, they gave to a man who was at his lowest point. Perhaps he was writing this at the time when all help was unavailable or he felt abandoned. And that was when the Philippian church came in. 
So today, if you are listening to me, in this season of Thanksgiving, minister to a poor person, a needy person, it might not bring forth natural returns or natural dividends, but do it because you are godly or you are Christian enough. And mind you, it is not the amount or the size of the gift that matters, but the size of your heart. Because the Philippians, like I have told you before, they didn't have much. They were not a church of renown, like maybe the Corinthian church or the, or the Ephesian church or even the church in Jerusalem. They were not a church of renown. They were not a church that we will say had so much money. It was a poor church. But they gave out of their liberality. So it was the heart, the size of their heart that ministered to Paul. Not necessarily the amount. Because how much can you really get from a poor person? But it's just with the attitude of joy and cheer that they gave that perhaps ministered to Paul. And Paul said something. But before that, let me read Proverbs chapter 19, verse 17. Proverbs 19, verse 17. And let's focus on what Paul said. Proverbs 19, verse 17. I'm reading this in the Good News Translation. When you give to the poor, it is like lending to the Lord, and the Lord will pay you back. So you see, it has no natural returns. It has no natural dividends. When you give to the poor, the Lord says, I will pay you back. And the Bible says, when you give to the poor, it is like you have lended to the Lord and the Lord will pay you back. Now, the question is, how does the Lord pay us back? And this is where I want to go to, verse 19. And my God will supply. You know, the word supply actually means fill to the full. So let me read it again. My God will fill to the full your every need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. I, I like that even better than the word supply. He will fill to the full. He's not just filling, but he makes, he makes sure that he will fill it to there is no more. He will fill to the full your every need according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. And I like this scripture because God will fill to the full every need, not according to the U.S. revenue. That's not what it says. He is not filling to the full every need, not according to world bank assistance. The Lord doesn't need world bank assistance. He is not filling to the full every need, not according to the oil fields of the Middle East. He is not filling to the full every need, not according to the precious minerals on the rich African soil. He is filling to the full every need, 
not according to the gold mines of this world or the financial markets or the stocks or what, what have you. It's not failing to the need every need, not according to anything on this earth, but he is failing to the full every need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And how many of you know that in God there is nothing like scarcity? There is nothing like scarcity. So when you give to a poor person and when you give to a needy person, you might not experience anything natural, but spiritually speaking, you experience some assistance from God because he has promised that he will supply or he will fill to the full every need. Now, let me give you an illustration of what it means when God says he will fill to the full every need. Go with me to 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 5 to 6, because this scripture really encapsulates it beautifully. Now, 2 Kings chapter 4 talks to us about the widow of a prophet. Unfortunately, her husband died and she owed, and the husband owed money. So the creditors had promised that if the debts were not settled, the creditors would take the two sons of the widow and they will be enslaved in labor to pay for the debts. Now, that's a very disheartening situation. You've lost your husband due to maybe a very unfortunate situation. And then potentially you're also going to lose your sons. But the Bible says that she met a prophet by the name of Elisha. And Elisha asked, what do you have? The woman in turn replied, she had a jar of oil. So Elisha, by the spirit of the Lord said, go and borrow some vessels. Don't borrow a few. Borrow a lot. And when you bring the vessels, shut the door behind you. And when you shut the door behind you, the jar of oil that you have, begin to pour them into the vessels. And when the vessels become full, set them aside and then pour into each other. So Elisha has given the instructions. Now, let's look at what happened. Verse 5 to 6. So she went from him, shut the door behind her and her sons, who brought the vessels to her, and she poured it out. Now it came to pass, when the vessels were full, that she said to her son, Bring me another vessel. And he said to her, There is not another vessel. So the oil ceased. This is a miracle. This is a miracle. I don't know how many vessels the woman went for. But in my mind's eye, when I read the story, it looks like she went for a lot of vessels. And the Bible says that the woman poured the oil until the vessel is full. And then they will bring another vessel. She will pour oil until the vessel is full. Then she will bring an, then they will bring another vessel. She will pour the oil. It became full until there was no more vessel. And then the oil ceased. And that is what this scripture means. When God says that he is going to supply our need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. He is going to fill to the full every need so that we will come to a place where we will lack nothing. It's just like this story. God is going to pour 
his jar of oil, his jar of blessing, his jar of bountifulness upon us because we have given to a poor person or to someone who is in need. He is going to make sure that he is going to furnish our lives to the point that we will not have needs or wants. What a blessing. So this is what it means when the Bible lets us know that God will supply or God will fill to the full every need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now the next question is, how does the Lord supply? How does the Lord supply? Four ways by which the Lord will supply. One, by working and industry. That's how God will supply. So when you work, so, you know, when you give, you also don't have to be lazy. You still have to go about your work. You still have to go about your business. You still have to be diligent. You still have to be industrious. God supplies through the hands of your work. So he's going to supply. So that's one way. The second way, God is going to supply through people. I remember I was not a pastor. I was just a member of a church. This was in London, England, about 2007. I remember when someone saw me, then he would say, man, whenever I see you, my heart skips a beat. I begin to have heart palpitations. I said, why? He said, because in my dream, the Lord woke me up and told me I should give you a thousand pounds. And anytime I see you, I, I keep on disobeying. And, but, but when I see you, I don't feel okay. Well, the short of the, 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 short of the story is that he gave me £1,000 for free. I don't, I, it's not really like my friend like that. Or I've not even told him I'm in need. And truly, I wasn't even in need. I wasn't in need. I'm like, wow. Why will God cause somebody to just give me £1,000? For what? I had to really pray about it. Lord, what do you need this money for? Is this money for me or is this, is this for me to bless with somebody else? I realized that it was just for me. But, but what I'm saying is that God uses people. That's how God supplies. So God will supply through your work. You have to work. You have to be industrious. You have to be diligent. In the Old Testament, any saint of God that was able to work and wealth and riches, they were not lazy. They worked. They were diligent. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, these three founding fathers or patriarchs of Israel were all rich people. They all had works that they do. So you have to work. You have to be industrious. That is how you experience God's supply and God's supernatural provision on your need to the point that he will fill to the full. Secondly, people. God causes people. God touches the hearts of people to give to you. Number three, storehouse. And I want to read this. Deuteronomy chapter 28 verse 8. Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 8. The Lord will command 
the blessing on you in your storehouses and into all which you set your hand. And he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. Now, these were the blessings that Moses released upon the people of Israel. This was called the blessings of the law. If you are able to fulfill all the 613 laws of the commandment, these are the blessings that will follow you. And one of the blessings is that God will command the blessings in your storehouse. So what is your storehouse? I'm asking. Because storehouse here can be relative. What is your storehouse? Maybe for some of you, your storehouse can be your savings account. Maybe for some of you, your storehouse is where you keep your, your rice bags and whatever you store. God is able to command the blessing on your storehouse. Why? Because you gave to feather his agenda. And what is his agenda? Ministering to the needy and the poor. Amen. And number four, supernatural means. God is able to give supernaturally. Once upon a time, the disciples wanted to pay tax. Jesus sent them. Go, go and catch a fish. And when they caught the fish, they found a gold coin in the mouth of the fish. It didn't always happen, but it's unusual. Whenever the disciples wanted to pay tax, they didn't always have to go for fish. I'm sure they had money, some sort of money to go and pay tax. But for that purpose, that had to happen. So sometimes God also provides supernatural means. Don't always expect it, but believe in the supernatural. Are you understanding me? So that's how God supplies. So dear friend, let generosity or giving be a lifestyle from today. I challenge you by the Spirit of God to prayerfully consider one poor person you can be a blessing to in this season of Thanksgiving. And, and listen, everything I've taught tonight is, is experience when it's acted out in obedience. It's not just listening. You, you don't just receive the blessings of this message by listening. You receive the blessings of this message by practically applying it to your life. So, your assignment and all our challenge is that let us look for one poor person, one needy person, someone in the natural who we will not receive any dividends from, and let's be a blessing to him. Prayerfully consider it. Ask the Lord, what do you want me to give? I tell you, one of the best gifts you can give to yourself, this gift of thanksgiving, is not to live for yourself, but to live for others. Let somebody thank God for you, that you were a blessing. Why? Because you heard the voice of the Lord. So let's minister to a poor person, a needy person, because that's what the Philippian church did. And then Paul prayed this prayer, that God is going to fill to the full every need that they lack. Amen. So may God cause us to be thanksgivers as the season of thanksgiving approaches. Thanksgivers, it means we are grateful people and we are gratitious people. We are grateful people. We have an attitude of gratitude to say thank you to God. And we thank God for our family and our relationships. And at the same time too, we are also generous people. That's what makes us thanksgivers. That means we have embraced the spirit of thanksgiving. 
So tonight, I pray that you will embrace the spirit of thanksgiving. And that may fruit abound to your account as you minister to the needs of people who are disenfranchised. And what does it mean when fruit abounds to your account? It simply means profits that will increase to your advantage. And whenever we trust God enough to minister to people who we know we can never get anything in return in the natural, the Bible has promised that our profits will increase to our advantage. And how does it increase to our advantage? It increases to our advantage by God himself filling to the full our need that we will come to a place where truly we will not experience lack. Amen. I thank God that I'm done. It's a minute to eight. So I end here. Amen. Today, the, the, the glitches took all my time. So, and I also don't want to do a series. So I just want to finish this to, tonight. Amen. I could have said a lot more. I'm not out of words or content. I'm just out of time. Amen. I hope you are blessed tonight. If you have any question or contribution, it's more than welcome. In the next minute, I just want us to close the night pray. Questions or contribution? All right, one person. What have you learned tonight? One person. Um, for me, um, I like the reminder of checking motives, why we give. I like that one. Um, we shouldn't give to get something back. We should always just give. There's a, there's a blessing when we give with open heart, especially if we do it unto the Lord. Amen. Amen. Father, we pray that may we be thanksgivers. May we be generous yet gratitious people. We pray that may this message be written on the tables of our hearts. Above all, may we apply what we have heard tonight, O oh Lord. We thank you that we will experience every blessing of this word in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, God bless.